Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Um, Special time around Christmas for us to uh, be reminded of Jesus' birth and what we share, what brings us all together as brothers and sisters. Um, I wanted to start this morning, we're still in Luke chapter 1, we've been going pretty slow, Um, but I wanted to start this morning going back to what we've already covered, Um, and thank you Johnny for bringing up the Magnificat again. We're going to read this morning um, Zechariah's prophecy, also called the Benedictus, and it it was interesting when I was reading and, and studying how... For a lot of the church's history uh, in the monastic communities, these two uh, songs or prophecies were read every day. And uh, so it's it's cool this morning. We're going to hear them both. If you remember what we we, uh, started with at the beginning of Luke, we had Zacharias already. We heard a little bit about him. Last week when Ellen preached, Uh, We were with Elizabeth and Mary. So Elizabeth and Mary, who both had miraculous babies growing inside of them. But if you remember before that, we heard about Zacharias. So the story kind of there started with Gabriel coming to him um, and telling him that they were going to have a baby. And you remember, they're older, so Mary... You know, Mary's miracle was that she hadn't been married before, and she was a virgin. And the miracle for Zacharias and Elizabeth was that they were going to have a baby, but they were barren and, and old. And you remember, uh, he struggled to believe this promise. And the angel said that the way he would know God was going to do this was that he would be mute So um, I wanted to start there just to kind of remind us where we were. So Elizabeth goes on a vacation and leaves behind a mute husband. Um, We're going to read today, we're going to read starting in verse 57, so Luke 1, 57, and we're going to read what happens next. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. But his mother answered and said, no, indeed, he shall be called John. And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who's called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows. His name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he began to speak in praise of God. Fear came on all those living around them, and all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. All who heard them kept them in mind, saying, 
What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit, and he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word this morning to us. Thank you, God, for reminding us of your promises. God, please call to our remembrance all of your promises to us in the ways that you've worked in our lives. God, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would speak through your scripture, that you would lift our hearts, God, in worship to you this morning, that you would speak to each one here the word that you have for us, that you would encourage us, that you would bind us together in fellowship through your son Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Elizabeth uh, now has a baby. Um, actually, you, you hear, hear that people just now hear about her, because you remember she was gone, when she got pregnant, she left until she came back. So some people are just now hearing that she was even pregnant. Um, and she says his name is John. And uh, this is not expected. So you see what was expected was for him to be named after his father, Zacharias, or at least after an ancestor. Um, Zachariah pulls out a tablet, you know, and writes this long sentence, his name, John. Um, and that's, re- that's really all he had to say. And when he, when he wrote that, that was, um, that was when God chose to give him his voice back. And this is his, his act of, of obedience and submission to the Lord. And, and as you might expect, I mean, we, we know this story. We've probably heard this story before. So we know, okay, all right. So yeah, of, of course, the angel said to name him John, so we know that's going to happen. Um, but actually, what, what, what happens here is all of the people who didn't previously see the angel talking to John and didn't, I mean, to Zacharias and didn't know why he was mute, um, now they know that not only is Elizabeth having a miraculous baby, um, not expected for people of that age, but that also this muteness um, from, was from God, and it was relieved immediately when Zacharias 
said his, his name was John, which also was not an expected name. And so when, when the people who were around them, their friends, their family, their neighbors, when they put all of this together, uh, it says that they were astonished and that there were, um, there were, there were um, fear came on all those living around them. So I, th- I think if we put ourselves back, you know, sometimes I think we can read the Christmas story in more of a, a sentimental way. But um, it, this wasn't just a story about cute babies. Um, there, there's a significant burden of the presence of God acting that leads to astonishment and fear. Um, people don't understand what actually might come next. The script is being changed. Unexpected things are happening. Sometimes we take comfort in, in the expected, and, and when things start to happen that we're not expecting, that can lead to fear. And they saw that God was, God was working powerfully, and maybe his story about seeing an angel, he probably told people about, uh, maybe that was true. Maybe angels were starting to visit people. It had been a long time since God had spoken through the prophets or done miracles like this. But the Holy Spirit then fills Zechariah and he prophesies. And we have, we have the words of his prophecy here. <clears throat> and Zechariah is remembering in his prophecy the promises of God. He's remembering the things God has done before and the promises that God had made to his people. Some had been partially fulfilled. Some had not been fulfilled yet. This is the Holy Spirit filling Zacharias and giving him words to say. But when John... Um, when John preached a few weeks ago, he mentioned Isaiah had prophesied 700 years before this. And um, <clears throat> in Zechariah's prophecy here, he is quoting from Isaiah. He, he, talks, he talks about some of the things Isaiah promised 700 years before. He also quotes from David a thousand years before. Um, he He quotes from Moses, 1,200 years before. He brings up the promise, the oath that God originally made to Abraham, which was 1,800 years before. Now, that's a pretty long time, 1,800 years. What was happening in Houston 1,800 years ago? I mean, would you, if, if I mean, there, there are many of us in here who probably, if you were asked what your ancestors were doing 1,800 years ago, you would not know. Many of us wouldn't even know where, what, who our ancestors from 1,800 years ago were. 1,800 years. Um, Zachariah is remembering all of, the, all of these promises and all of the acts of God's um, loving hand for so long. So, um, kids, what's the first thing you can remember? How far back can you go? What's the first thing you can remember? Anybody? Anybody remember being born? Okay, how about like your, your first 
solid food. Anybody remember eating your first solid food? No? Okay. Your second birthday, third birthday. Anybody remember your third birthday? Okay, all right. We have a third birthday. All right, so we can go back. Maybe, maybe we can go back to when we were two or three years old and remember something. But we don't talk just about, when we talk about memory, we don't just talk about remembering the things we experience. So um, does anybody in here remember how your parents met? Anybody have the story? Anybody remember? Okay, Angela does. So, I I mean, I've heard the story. I remember how my parents met. I I wasn't there, but I remember it. And how, how do we remember things like that? How do we rem- how do we remember um, the things you know? I've I've heard people tell stories about uh, their their parents immigrating to the United States or their grandparents. Um, how do, how do we remember? Um, maybe maybe you rem- maybe you remember the first person in your family who came to the Lord who began to follow the Lord and began to teach uh, people in your family about Jesus. So we remember those things by uh, telling, uh, telling the stories. We, re- we remember bringing it up. I would hear, you know, I remember Christmas, my, my grandparents are past now, but I remember going home for Christmas and we would hear the same stories about my dad, most, mostly about my dad. <laughs> but, you know, we, we would hear stories about my dad kind of every year, you know. He's like, okay, yeah. So at some point, you know, I almost felt like I was there. So when we talk about remembering, I just want to bring that up because we talk about remembering um, things. You know, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit to speak these things. And and the things he crammed into 10 verses, it's a lot of history. But it wasn't wasn't necessarily miraculous that he knew these things. He he knew these stories. He knew these verses. He knew these passages. He knew them because he had been taught them. Um, The miracle is the Holy Spirit bringing all of that memory into a specific time and place and giving a meaning and making a fresh promise about what God was about to do. Now, to understand this prophecy, there are a couple of concepts we need to unpack a bit. So the first is there in in verse 68, Zacharias says that God is blessed because he has visited us. So um, what is a visit? What do you think of when you think about a visit? Okay, doorbell rings, don't know who's there. Somebody comes in. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're coming, stopping to say hi. Maybe they're dropping off some Christmas goodies. All right, when I think of visit, you know, I think, I think of something like that, someone coming over. Um, you know, we can also think of, you know, now, now that we have the Internet, we talk about visiting a website. Um, so this isn't, this isn't what Zacharias was talking about. 
when you said that God visited them, he didn't mean God dropped in. He didn't mean God browsed them. Uh, he didn't mean he just, he just came for a day or two. Um, to understand that, you know, there's a, couple of, there's a couple of examples that I wanted us to think about. And one was that when God called Moses and Aaron, and he sent them, and they performed signs in front of the people, the people said, well, the people believed after they were told that God had sent them and performed signs in front of them, and they heard that the Lord visited the sons of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, and they worshipped him. Oh, when God sent Moses and Aaron to the people, and he gave them power to perform signs, and he told them that they would be rescuing them, delivering them from Pharaoh, the people said, we understand God has visited us. So that's not, I don't think, how we would use the term visit. So visit is like, you come, you eat some of my food, and you leave. This is, I am visiting you. God is bringing the powerful hand of his salvation. He, he, he sees them. He has compassion and mercy on them. And he brings his power. And that's what Zacharias is talking about when he references God visiting his people. He wasn't just there to console them for a day or two and leave. He was there to deliver them. And that's the other word that I wanted to talk about, which is, you know, when we, we don't really probably use this word this way um, much in our language, but what, what do you think of when you think of deliver around Christmas time? <laughs> it's Amazon, right? So, you know, we think about deliverance, um, to, do, to deliver would be to, you know, take something to someone. But what the Bible means when it talks about deliverance is not just taking something, but it's to take God's people from somewhere to somewhere else, to take them out of oppression, out of um, fear, and to take them into freedom and In particular, you know, the biggest example there, again, is of the Exodus where God takes his people where they're enslaved, they're working for Pharaoh, and do you remember one of the big themes of God delivering his people was giving them the ability to worship him, to create the tabernacle and the the system of worship, and to establish the law so that they could be a people that were pleasing to God. So taking his people from making bricks for Pharaoh to worshiping him, that was deliverance. And when Zacharias talks about that in in verse 71, he says um, that God brings deliverance from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Um, That's what he's talking about. And this is the pattern with God. He sees his people. He has compassion on them. He has mercy. He visits them, not, not, hey, how you doing? I'll be here for a day. I'm leaving. He brings deliverance, the powerful hand of his salvation to deliver his people, to take them from oppression, to take them from slavery, 
and to set them free so that they can serve him and walk in fellowship with him. That's the pattern. That's the pattern. That's what David talks about, and he writes about this in the Psalms. He writes about God visiting, God saving, God delivering. And what did God do with David? Well, David was a shepherd boy. When he rose up, Saul was against him. Uh, He had many battles and and wars, and God rescued him from them. And that's what David means when he talks about God delivering him. this This is the pattern that God has shown. This is how he loves his people. He sees them. He visits them. He delivers them. And this is... This is the theme of Zechariah's prophecy here. The Holy Spirit brought all of these promises up, all of these ways that God had previously saved his people, Zechariah's people. Not, I mean, Zacharias wasn't there, but Zacharias sees, remembers, and he sees God's hand in the history of his people. In the, in the history of his people, Israel. Zacharias remembers, I counted like 47 different passages that he references in, in these verses. Um, he, Zechariah remembered that the psalmist praised God for bringing redemption. You see redemption as a theme. Holy and awesome is God's name. Zechariah remembered Hannah said, God would lift up the powerful horn of the Messiah. This horn represents the weapon of a strong animal. Zechariah remembered that that God reminded the psalmist that he would cause a descendant of David to grow as a horn of salvation. He remembered that God made a promise to David that he would establish the throne of his house forever. He remembered that God saved his people from Pharaoh, who was their enemy who hated them. He remembered God's original promise to Abraham, you remember, to bless him, to greatly multiply his descendants as the stars of the heavens and the sand on the seashore, and to possess the gate of their enemies. God promised Abraham that in his descendants, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Zechariah In his prophecy, remembered God heard the groaning of his people in Egypt and remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he saw the sons of Israel and took notice of them. He remembered promises from Jeremiah. Jeremiah said that the Jews were living in disobedience, but God would be faithful to his oath to them. And, and reminded them he had brought them to the promised land. Zechariah remembered prophecies from Micah that God still remembered his oath of unchanging love that he had made to Abraham. You may remember the story about Hezekiah, who was a king who, um, who was sick, and God miraculously healed him. And after he did, Hezekiah said that he would sing to God all the days of his lives. He promised for his people they would all sing to God all the days of their lives in the house of the Lord. Zechariah remembered Isaiah's prophecy about a voice calling in the wilderness 
to make a, a clear, straight way for God's coming. And Malachi's prophecy that God would send the prophet Elijah as a messenger to clear the way before the Lord. And this was the last prophecy. Malachi was the last prophet before Zacharias, 400 years before. Zechariah remembered God promising Jeremiah that days were coming when my people will not instruct each other to know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. He remembered God's promise to Isaiah that God would make Galilee glorious. That people who walk in darkness would see a great light, and those who live in a dark land, the light would shine on them. He remembered that God prophesied through Balaam that a star would come forth from Jacob and a scepter would rise from Israel. He remembered Isaiah's words, Arise, shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you and God's glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And he remembered from Malachi that the day was coming when the sun of righteousness would rise with healing in its wings. When the Holy Spirit filled Zacharias to prophesy, he remembered all of these things that God had done before and God had promised before. And he pulled them all together. And, and really, we don't still even, if we're just reading so far, we still don't really know how he's going to do it. We, we're, not gonna, we're not real sure how God is going to have the sun rise from here. From, from among us. How, is, how, does a, how does a star start down here? And we're not exactly quite sure, but the Holy Spirit is pulling all of these prophecies together. And through Zechariah saying, this is the time for the fulfillment. It's been 400 years. And so far in the past year, in a small geographic location, we've got two miraculous births, we've got a few angelic visitations, we've got a mute priest who is given speech again. Now, something is happening. And what we, what we see is really the promise of John as the forerunner, these prophecies from Malachi. John is going to be the forerunner making way for the Messiah to come. John is the fulfillment of these prophecies about the forerunner. But what's going to come next is the fulfillment of the prophecies about the Messiah. So John is prophesying, and he actually, you know, we learn later, we're not going to get there in this series, but we learn later, you know, John dies before um, he sees really Jesus um, resurrected. 
So John is, is really the, the last one here. And I think, I think um, it's important for us to kind of take a step back and to say, what is, what is the meaning of these few people in Israel who had been waiting and living? There's no indication that Mary expected to be the mother of the Messiah or that Zacharias and Elizabeth expected to be, you know, talked about 2,000 years later um, up until this point. But the Holy Spirit is calling Zacharias to prophesy these things and to say something big is happening. I wanted to point out that it was not just Zacharias' knowledge of the prophecies, though, that allowed him to prophesy this. Because you remember his first response to the angel was, I don't see how this could happen. And I think it's important to note that although he did have a knowledge of the scriptures, and he knew God. He was a priest. He was, I mean, all we know is he was a faithful man, had faith in God. But when God said, this is what I'm come to do, he sent his angel to tell him that, there, there was some hesitation. Zacharias had some hesitation, didn't understand. How is this going to happen? Does, doesn't make a lot of sense. And... God put him in a holding pattern for a few months. And, and, but then the Holy Spirit, upon his obedient writing on a tablet, the Holy Spirit filled him and gave him this amazing prophecy. And this, this is, I think, important for us to recognize that you know, if we want to hear the word of God to us, if we want to be a part of what God is doing, we need to be open first to God fulfilling his word in ways we may not expect. This was a difficulty for Zacharias. But then second, that the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to make sense of all this. The Holy Spirit is the one, it's not um, Zacharias' ability to quote scripture. And the Holy Spirit tells Zacharias that this is the beginning of something new that you haven't been experiencing personally. You've heard about, but you haven't experienced per- personally. Now, I wanted, there's, as I was going through this and studying, it made, it made, this made sense to me. But there was, one, there was a question that I had that I just really wanted to go back and answer. So this story, is there, like, is there a question that you might have about this story with Zacharias? I mean, the question I had was, um, where'd, John, where'd the name John come from and why is that so important? Like, why, don't, why, why can't he just name him Zach? What's wrong with Zacharias? That's a fine name. You know, 
in these prophecies, we don't have a prophecy that the forerunner will be named John. And um, it, it, it kind of seems like this is the whole, this, he, he, it's a big enough deal for Zacharias to go mute. It kind of seems like that's part of the story. Anyway, it's important to God for Zacharias' son to be named John and not Zacharias. Oh, like, why, why is that such a big deal? So, um, you want to, you, you know what Zacharias means? Zachariah is, is the same, it's, it's the Greek version of, of the, uh, the prophet. So, it's, this, it's really the same name as the prophets, and there are many people in the Old Testament called Zacharias. But um, uh, Zacharias means God remembers. And, and, and we, we see what John, uh, we see what John means. God is gracious. God brings grace. And there, there, there's something that God is saying here. Something important that God is saying. I mean, at the, at the face of it, for sure, if we just wanted to say, okay, what do we know for sure? God picked his name. God has a right to pick anyone's name. Um, God certainly has a right to pick the name of someone who is miraculously conceived. God has the right to pick anyone's name. God picked his name, and it is good for Zacharias to trust him, even if he doesn't understand why. Um, and we know that how important grace is to God and how that this is part of God's character. God is a gracious God. He's always been gracious. It's been a part of his character and his name. He's a gracious God. But, but I think one of the things God is saying here also is Zechariah has remembered. Zechariah has, and his parents before him, and his grandparents, and their parents and their grandparents, for 1,800 years, have been reminding each other. And it's not just biological. The community has been reminding each other of the promises of God for hundreds of years. And God has remembered those promises, and multiple times through their history, he has intervened. He has rescued them. He has saved them. Sometimes when they turn to him, sometimes because he's just merciful. He has intervened. He has saved them. And Zacharias has remembered that. But I think what, what God is saying here is when Zacharias names his son, it's no longer God remembers, but it's God is gracious. This is now the beginning of the new covenant. This is now the beginning of the final answer to all of God's promises, the final fulfillment. And I was reminded of, of what, what Paul said 
in Romans, this, this phrase that's kind of stuck with me is, you're not under the law anymore, you're under grace. And God bestows grace. He bestows grace on his people. This is how, this is how he delivers us, is graciously, through grace. And it is also a bit interesting that what, did, what, were, what was John's message in preparing the way for the Messiah as the bearer of the name, the grace of God? It was repentance, wasn't it? He preached repentance. Because God is gracious, let us turn from our sin. And this was the beginning of the new covenant, an allusion to So, for, for us, I was just thinking a lot about um, faith and how important faith is, how important faithfulness is. You know, this is the foundation for Mary and Zacharias' songs, is God is calling to memory, from their memory, the, the scriptures and the stories that they had had learned and memorized and clung to for hope. How important it is for us to be a people of faith, to be a people who are faithful to God. So how long has it been since Jesus said he would come back? It's been a long time. And how how do we know that he said that? How do we know that he promised he would come back? How do we we know that his promises are still to us? How do we look back and see our own ancestors and come to the conclusion that those promises were for us? If you look around this room... We didn't look like the people who Jesus was talking to when he lived, most of us. So so how do we do that? And and I think part of it is it's, it's so important for us to know his word and to know the stories of God working among his people. It's so important. And... You know, I, w- I would say, um, you know, if you haven't memorized Scripture this week, do it. Um, if you haven't read a story about God miraculously saving his people this week, do it. He's still doing it. He's doing it all over the world. And, and that's, that's how, I think, one of the ways God helps us to be a faithful people so that when Jesus returns, we're ready for him. Um, and we're not, you know, out of, out of oil, out at the grocery store. Yeah, but we're ready. We recognize him. 
And I, you know, I, th- I think of the, w- the ways that he makes his people um, around what do we talk about? Where is our hope set? I've been looking forward to my, my time off from work for a while. But, you know, two weeks of vacation, that's not going to get me where I need to get. Well, that's, it's nice. It's nice, and I'm glad to have it. But I really liked the, one of the songs Jerry picked just about, I can't remember the exact words, but releasing us from, you know, frivolity. Um, you know, I think, I think sometimes our, our identity gets distracted, is a little bit distracted. And we are, um, we are a continued fulfillment of, these, of Zacharias' prophecy. God's people being rescued, being delivered because of God's strength and his grace and his mercy. And it's important for us as his people to remember those, to talk about it. What did God do? What's he done? And we're going to be having a solemn assembly uh, just in a couple of weeks. And I think that's a great time for us to reflect on. Think about what has God done? What are God's promises to us? Does God have a promise specifically to you or to us as a church in, in next year? And, and part of the way that God speaks to us is as we orient ourselves to his truth and meditate on his word, he begins to pull that out, right? He begins to show us how that fits together and in a way that we uh, may be surprised. So I'd like to pray for us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promise to us, your faithfulness to us over generation after generation. We pray, God, that you would call us to faith. It's been a long time since you were here, Jesus. We pray that you would help us to see your presence as you dwell among us through your spirit, but also to walk in in faith, to expect you to come back. And we pray, God, for the other things in our lives that give us anxiety and fear. And we pray that you would give us faith and show us how your word addresses those things. I pray that you would speak to us through each other, that you would give us words of encouragement and of hope and of faith and of prophecy, that we would be able to speak to one another and help each other to see our identity as your people. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.